Welcome to High Gluttony. I'm Gretchen. And I'm Becca. And we are traveling to Portugal to make and learn more about the classic soup, Caldo Verde. This soup is created with pretty easy to find ingredients, including a broth of your choice, potatoes, kale, onion, garlic, and olive oil. So pretty simple. It's, it's a world level one for sure. Like, even if you feel like you don't have any skills, I think you can <laughs> handle this. <laughs> yep. This will be your new favorite thing to make. <laughs> we don't use any special equipment really beyond a vegetable peeler, but I'm assuming that we really don't consider that specialty equipment. (laughs) No, but good to know. And uh, this dish can be assembled pretty quickly if you need something hearty and healthy. I think even though it took us 45 minutes, I think the next time (laughs) I make it, it will take us less time. So I agree. We do kind of use a compilation of recipes, mostly because Gretchen will say, but they're really similar. There's kind of a classic recipe that you follow, but we did get our recipe from a book that Gretchen has called The Taste of Portugal. So we'll put that up on the website. But even though there was a recipe, there is a recipe by Kenji Lopez-Alt, because we love him. We used all of our strength to stay away from it and do something else. It helped that Gretchen had The Taste of Portugal book, but... We were not surprised to see after we found this recipe that Kenji has a caldo verde recipe. Yes. (laughs) Check out our website where we'll be sharing the recipe and our thoughts slash substitutions and whatnot. And like and subscribe wherever you're listening right now. Find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram at High Gluttony. And enjoy caldo verde. Yeah, have fun. to section one everybody settle in sit back grab your consumption tool of choice if you're just listening or if you're cooking also but follow along with us as we start to cook so we kick off this section with sharing um what we're both enjoying drink wise and cannabis wise i kept saying caryophylline as the terpene i'm trying to avoid but it's really myrcene and i'm not sure why i kept saying caryophylline my new trick is Myrcene, not mycene. So I'm trying to <laughs> learn how to remember. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> but next we talk about the ingredients we're using. And then Gretchen shares the recipe so that you know what is going on. Then we chat about uh, the special type of cabbage that's used traditionally for the soup. And what our additional options are for what you can do because we don't have that special cabbage here in the U.S. So if you're lucky enough to be somebody from Portugal and can get the proper cabbage, good for you. But we do talk a bit about greens, so we hope you enjoy all of that fun, green, leafy talk. (laughs) Fun, green, leafy talk. So what are, what are you smoking today? Oh, I actually forgot to grab it. It's called El Norte. And I kind of remember off the top of my head, 
it is a hybrid, which most of them are these days, so it doesn't mean too much. Yeah. But it had 21.9% THC, and then it was lemonine, shortly followed by caryophylline. And then I can't remember the last two, but I'm still playing around with that caryophylline avoidance. So it's been mm. fun. But I love oh, this one. So you, you've you now come to the to think that caryophylline is your problem? I don't know if it's my problem, but, but I think when... When it is the most dominant significantly, if it's kind of caryophylline shortly followed by lemonine, that's okay. But if it's like mostly caryophylline and then just a little bit of the other stuff, I don't enjoy myself. I get very paranoid. I get very anxious and I feel like I grind my teeth and I've attributed that to the strain, but I think it's my anxiety just making me like clench a little more. So I don't know what it is. And those are kind of the most dominant of the selection I have right now. So I can't really play around with the other one. I don't know, but I've mostly just gravitated more and more towards lemoning as my preference so far. It's the taste. I think it's the tastiest one. So that makes sense to me. (laughs) That too. So even better. Uh, what about you? What are you? You know, smoking? what? I, I was gonna say I'm. I was gonna smoke a vaporizer, but I'm. I've decided now that I want to smoke some flour. I am gonna smoke this Pacific Dream. So this has an a THC level of eighteen point eight percent, and ugh, CBD is worn off a bit here. So no, I have no idea. <laughs> Cannot compute. Cannot compute. <laughs> <laughs> But it's all natural cannabis. Well, I hope so. Um, next time I'll have to do, I'll have, not, have to not switch horses in the middle of the game. <laughs> that's not how that saying goes. No, I think, yeah, don't switch horses in the middle of the game. That's the, <laughs> that's the classic, classic whodunit. <laughs> the classic whodunit. You mean the classic colloquialism or how, whatever it is. I was just saying. I was just going with it. <laughs> I'm going to Google Pacific Dream real quick and see if I can. Okay. Good, because I've already gone through my first glass of Vina Verde, so that's good timing. Oh, this is an interesting website. So this is a properhigh.com. I'm assuming this is just either a tracking site or something like that. Okay. The proper report. So they're saying the aromatics are sweet and floral, and the, the flavor is sweet with berries. Smells like pot to me, so you're doing great. <laughs> Effects felt as uh, euphoric, energized, relief, relaxed, and focused. Oh, that will be good for this. Yes, this might be the perfect combo for a recording. <laughs> it says it's very potent. I was stressed, somebody's review was, I stressed out by the amount of work I need to get done, but this left me, left me feeling relaxed and capable. Dear God, there's a pot that can do that. Right? Light it up. Does it have terpene? It just says myrcene and no percentage, but we'll see. Okay. Chin chin. (laughs) Are you allowed to say chin chin for pot? I feel like you should be able to. We say cheers. I'm smoking out of the metronome today. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) And what are you drinking? I have my vino verde is Orlana vino verde. Nice. Chic bottle, I feel like. (laughs) Not Ooh, my favorite part, 9% alcohol. Incredible. I love it. I love, I love European wine. <laughs> it's so balanced and lovely. Frickin' California shit that has such a high alcohol content. You're drunk after one glass. And already have a hangover. Pretty much immediately. Mm-hmm. Gretchen and I are both drinking Vino Verde because, as you heard in the intro, we're making Caldo Verde from Portugal. Mine is called Mica, or the label is Mica. And 
it's nice. I think it needs to be a little bit colder. It does have just mm-hmm. a little hint of that effervescence. So mm-hmm. it's super fun. Mine as, mine as well. I'm, I might have to buy more of this. And since I like the bottle and it's going to go in my sea glass, uh, glass bin that I keep filling with more and more glass and I can only do two pounds of glass at a time. So. <laughs> <laughs> so good thing there's a stopping point. Once the bin's full, I mean, then time to pause. We'll go over our recipe real quick and the steps. This is probably, I feel like this is a, the easiest thing we've ever done on this podcast, except maybe chimichurri that might have been slightly e- easier. I don't know. Yes, I, yeah, I agree. We'll see how it goes after the end of this. And with chimichurri, we still needed a food processor. And that's not sure. hard. That does make it easy. But in terms of cleanup and utilization of tools and equipment and stuff, I never want to use the food processor. So this is easier in that way too, for me, mentally. The cleanup on this is going to be excellent because most of my prep dishes, I can just throw in the dishwasher. <laughs> It'll be one pot that cooks everything already, like two dishes for that. So really, I've got a hand washing down to two dishes, you know, everything else. Yeah dishwasher. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. So this is a soup. Yes. It does have a limited amount of ingredients, but they're all very important. <laughs> we'll start off with olive oil and we're using three to four tablespoons. We are using four potatoes. I wanted Yukon gold, but the ones at the market I was at weren't in great shape. So I ended up with russet. What kind did you, are you using? Ah, uh, darn. I, I was thinking stick to the point Gretchen, because I was about to go down a rabbit hole that no one needed. I picked up some russets when I was at the farmer's market this morning because as we'd seen in Kenji's recipe, he uses two different types of potato. So I was like, do I want to try the Kenji thing? And I was like, nope, you know what? I did. So I have the potatoes for it. Depending on how easy this is, I may make more potato, uh, potato verde. <laughs> Green potato. <laughs> Caldo verde. So I'm using Yukon Gold. I kind of wish we'd talked so that I, I could have <laughs> used russets. Right. When we would both be using the same potato. Next time. I, I think that'll be fine. Yeah, next time. There's only so much improvement we could do in each episode. <laughs> and it feels like we talk to each other all the time. So <laughs> just, every how do we, fucking you know, day. Yeah, like day. How, yeah. how is this information we didn't? How did we miss it? Yeah. All right. So olive oil, four potatoes, one pound of kale, which we'll thinly slice. And we did, just to back up a second, we already did peel and cut up our potatoes. Then we've got one onion that is already diced for both of us, three to four garlic cloves sliced, and six to seven cups of broth or stock. Oh, and black olives for me. Are you using a meat? No, I forgot to get it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I forgot to get one. I was like, I'm going to go to Trader Joe's. And for some reason, like the black olives were just stuck in my head. Mm-hmm. I'm, getting, I'm going to Trader Joe's and I'm going to get black olives. <laughs> Actually, well, not that it would be remotely authentic. I picked up some sliced salami from uh, the Parma ham salami they have at Trader Joe's. So I could hmm. throw that on there. If I, yeah. if I felt like it. Sorry, it's pre-sliced. So it's not, wouldn't be my favorite thing. I did buy prosciutto today. So I do have some cured pork products I could throw in there if I felt saucy about crossing genres there, uh, <laughs> crossing, what's the word, I'm, nationalities, I guess countries. Borders. 
borders. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Crossing food borders. <laughs> and so black olives, which are on, just go on the top. And dancing. You can't, you can't see her, but Gretchen's doing fun dancing. Fun thing, dancing. <laughs> I'm trying to describe it, yeah. yeah. Can you talk to us now about where our recipe's coming from and then the, ne- the first couple of steps? I'll try. <laughs> so the, the recipe, well, our recipe is essentially several different recipes or all recipes for caldo verde. Although I did read some blogs that were like, there's basically as many caldo res- verde recipes as there are people in Portugal. <laughs> Maybe not quite that, but a close second. A close second. Like basically everybody's got their own recipe for it. But in general, this seems to be the general guideline of what we're putting in there. I guess you said kind of, it's just a compilation of recipes. So perfect. Yeah. And I don't even know if you asked me to say that, but apparently I needed to say it. Well, I said where it was the recipe from. But oh, you, you did. Was- yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's a compilation. It's a compilation. But I also didn't need to repeat, repeat it, which is what I was about to do. So for equipment, you're going to need a cutting board and a knife. So you can cut up all your ingredients. A large pot with, with or without a lid. I don't think it was specific on if it needed a lid or not. And a ladle or a spoon. So those are your equipment things that you're going to need. So we're going to start by heating up our pot. And really, you could scale this recipe pretty easily to make one bowl or depending on your serving size. We're just making a a few servings today. So we're heating our pot. Then we're going to add our olive oil and saute the onions until they are translucent. Should take three to five minutes for that. Add your garlic and cook until you can smell it. So hopefully your uh, sniffer is working (laughs) at this time. (laughs) And as soon as you can really smell that garlic, you're going to add the stock and then the potatoes. You can add a lid or not a lid. Cook until the potatoes are tender, depending on how you cut it. Now, I did see one recipe where they left the potatoes whole until, and cooked them until those were tender and then mashed them. Pretty much every other recipe, though, was cutting up potatoes, which makes the most sense because that's going to cook a lot faster than if you're trying to cook the whole potato. <laughs> Once the potatoes are cooked, you can... Pull them out of the liquid and smash them up if you want to be like real exact about Moisture? getting them. No, getting them fully smashed up. <laughs> this pot is making me feel good, but apparently it is making talking a little bit of a challenge. If you would like to make sure your potatoes are very smooth, you can remove them from the liquid, smash them up, and then put them back. Being that I am not about making any more dishes. <laughs> I will be smashing mine in the pot. I don't care if there's like chunks of potato. That's all right with me. I don't know what would happen if you use a, an immersion blender because pretty much it seemed like most of the recipes were saying just smash the potato. And I think part of that is it's a rustic soup. So that chunkiness is okay. Yeah. It's not supposed to be refined. Right. But you can obviously make it super fancy. Sure. But I'm, I'm is sure that what people I'm, do. I'm yeah. sure people do. But is that what I'm doing right now? No. Yeah, we said easiest, and we were going to make this the easiest high-gluttony recipe so far. (laughs) Smash your potatoes. Then you're going to add your thinly sliced kale and cook until that's tender. It should take anywhere from five to ten minutes. And then it's good. You can eat it. Add your sausage if you've got it, or and slash or black olives. Apparently, we're going with black olives today. (laughs) Unless I decide to make this into a whole international thing with a a bit of Italian influence there. 
So Mm -hmm. we'll see how I feel once we get there. (laughs) One of the important parts of most of the recipes that we came across was the way you cut up the kale. But actually, before we get to that, so we are using kale today, but typically this soup is made with a special type of cabbage, which is a brassica. So kale is fine to use and other things are okay to use, but this particular cabbage for Caldo Verde is very special, right? Very special. And funny enough, would you happen to know that on one of my favorite nursery sites, I had this said cabbage in my wish list? Of course you did. (laughs) It's like, are you kidding me? I was like, oh no. And this, we went a couple months ago. I'm like, I didn't even know. I should have looked. I don't do well with brassicas here, though. The aphids, I have so many aphids and they mm. just eat them. Not worth it. So we were, I was very confused reading this recipe because it says kale <laughs> in the ingredient list. But then they switched from kale, like after you chop it to cabbage. And I was like, what are they talking about? And then they kept using cabbage. And I was like, what is she talking about? Well, had I read the, the you know, the intro, the recipe... I would have found out about this very special cabbage called Galegas, meaning that they originally came from, I want to say Galatia, pronunciation might not be quite right there, a neighboring Spanish province. So it grows very similar to kale, where it's more of an upright leafy plant. It doesn't have a collected head, quite like a cabbage. Actually, I think it's, oh, and it also said like Brussels sprout plants. So I think it forms a little like sort of side head. So curl it. So in the book, it does say that curly kale is remarkably similar to it. They also suggest collard greens, but I just can't get on board with collard greens. I don't, I don't like them that much. So any of those things that I don't really love, I just put a lot of jalapeno juice in. Can't argue with that method. I, I would never dare. <laughs> so I just realized you can, I'm kicking myself right now. There was a note on the next page about this recipe. And it says the basic potato thickener could be used for straightforward, similar soups, all very popular with the Portuguese. Instead of kale, use watercress. They've also, she's also put, oh man, and I'm assuming this is a woman. <laughs> uh, <laughs> fix it later. Purslane next to watercress. But as far as I know, those are not the same. So I need parsley to Parsley and watercress? No, no, not parsley. Oh. Purslane. What's that? It's a weed. You can find it pretty much anywhere. You could also do turnip top as another type of green. I mean, like they've basically just put seven different types of suggestions. <laughs> it says also very tender green beans, adjusting the cooking times for these vegetables. Chinese leaves are also good for this type of soup. So what I don't are know. Chinese what, leaves? I'm not sure. Okay. I That might be bok choy. There's a vendor and they have these really, this really interesting Chinese broccoli, which is, it's like got little teeny tiny heads of like broccoli and lots of greens around kind of a thicker stem. Like it almost looks like a bit of um, like a cross between bok choy and broccolini. So that has that sort of smooth leaf. And then they also carry a type of mustard that has, it has a similar structure and it's very good. They're very good for stir fries. I bet they'd be really good in this soup. That sounds fun. Chinese greens. I mean, I think you could pretty much go with any thickish leafy green. You want something that's going to cook fairly quickly, but 
not totally fall apart. So that's why kale is good. It's got good structure to it. Got it. We pick up section two when we're finishing up our prep and about to start cutting our kale. And then it's time to start cooking our ingredients, starting with the onions, garlic, broth, and potatoes. And then while we wait for our potatoes to cook down, we chat about some fun facts about caldo verde that we learned, which was very cool. And the, the pronunciation, we discussed the pronunciation of chorizo. And I guess in Portugal, it's a little bit more like chorizo. It's a, a more of an mm-hmm. S sound, um, mm-hmm. but pretty close to chorizo. So chorizo. I might even say it like that. I can't remember right now. and we finish our soup by adding the kale and letting that cook for a little bit and we both just uh kind of let it chill because we eat it later that day so you don't get the taste test results in this part of it well you do we tasted it right yeah you gotta taste what you're cooking otherwise we're doing a terrible job that's like a big thing (laughs) of it so we're kicking it off by making little stacks of our kale stacks are better especially with this recipe where they're kind of saying it should look a little bit like long thinner strips whereas with if you're not stacking it the best you're going to be able to do is kind of make like (laughs) what i would call confetti really (laughs) you mean when it's just loose yeah you know you can't dictate the shape as well can you describe what kind of kale we're using today we're using a curly oh no i lost some uh Kale down, bunnies. Curly kale down. (laughs) Bunnies to the rescue. Bunnies to the cleanup. Bunnies (laughs) clean up on the Isle Island. All right, so curly kale. Curly kale, which we are now going to slice. We're going to slice that nice kale structure right down. (laughs) Yeah, we are. (laughs) Goodbye, structure. Is it important for these to be like long ribbons or very small, thin pieces? What's the... What are we I, looking for in this? I think, although the picture more looks like a rough chop on this one. So I'm going to get just sort of cut pretty thin strips. And so you've got layers of the kale stacked on top of each other. And then yes. you're coming through and just cutting thin kind of ribbons along the, the so okay. Across the widest part. Got it. My, my very small leaves are... Not the best for this. I'm not getting super long strands, which I think would be kind of nice, but it's not just not where we're at. Okay. Man, this a pound of kale is a lot of fucking chopped up kale. Let me tell you, it is a lot of it is a lot of kale. First of all, I was like a pound. I actually got way more than that just because I wasn't paying attention, but I didn't even weigh mine, so I have really zero idea. Uh, a pound of kale is a lot, I presume. <laughs> <laughs> I got, I got one. Well, I got a bunch. I assume, I kind of assume. I mean, a pound is not a lot, but yeah, it's just, it's just funny how you then you immediately go. I don't know. I didn't weigh mine, but I, <laughs> I got one, one small bunch. I got one bunch of kale, which I pretty much was like, it's not like I could get less than this if it's more <laughs> yeah. than a pound. <laughs> I'm gonna take the whole thing. It doesn't matter. I'm also gonna put the whole thing into the soup. So that also doesn't matter. I may be over over greening or under greening. We'll have to find out. 
My broth is a little dark, so I'm not sure the green is going to come through. I hope it does. I've got mine all chopped. Wow, that was fast. Yeah. So my pound really ended up being about, I think, I think that this is a two quart, one quart. I don't know. I think I'm closing in on the last of my strips here. Alrighty. I have another hit before I start working with fire. Right. Good call. Did you turn your pan on? Should I heat mine up? Go ahead and eat yours up. I what temperature? Medium high. Okay. Did you put your olive oil in? I did. I already started sauteing my onions. Okay. My pan was hot enough, so. It was time. It was time. I'm getting pretty soft. No salt or anything, right? Just the onions and olive oil? Yep. That's it. My onions. My onions are completely translucent. I'm going in with my garlic. I kicked the heat down a little bit, and I may have kicked it down a little too much. (laughs) Okay. About how long do you think your onions took to cook down? I could tell you pretty much exactly. Okay, then. Five minutes. Okay. I can smell my garlic. Then another minute and a a short amount of time. (laughs) A couple of seconds. (laughs) (laughs) I'm adding my stock. And I'm adding my garlic. And one tiny rogue piece of kale. No, not rogue kale. (laughs) One very cooked down piece of kale. Flavor enhanced. (laughs) Actually, I'm just going to... I put... I soaked my potatoes in water just to make sure they didn't turn brown. Woo, do. Okay. And um, and I'm putting, I'm going to just put it, put the water in with them. Soaking them in water release some of the starch from the potatoes. So adding the water that you've soaked them in just means you're ensuring you've gotten as much starch as you can out of the potatoes. <laughs> Got it. I would have done a little bit less stock had I factored that in. That makes sense. Can just cook it a little bit longer. So I'm turning this up to to pretty much power boil. Get it going. Okay. I was going to say it's kind of like uh, when you add res- pasta water. That's right. You've cooked your pasta in back exactly. to your sauce. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, okay. Garlic is fragrant. Gonna add my stock. Gonna eat an olive. So how long do you expect it to take for these to soften? Maybe 20 minutes. Okay. Are you gonna cover your pot? No, because I'm filming it. <laughs> ah, excellent point. And I did try to cover it, but it seemed up immediately and you couldn't see shit. So, okay. <laughs> so new plan. <laughs> Different plan. Plus, since I put the extra water in there, oh, I don't mind a- if, if there's some evaporation. I'm going to cover mine. So mine's really, my power boil has done its job. I'm turning the, the heat down now so that it can s- more simmer. Go power boil, yeah. Power boil! <laughs> Should we chat a little bit about Caldo Verde then? Yes, why don't, why don't you tell me what you found out about Caldo Verde, and then if we have time, okay. I'll tell I, I can either uh, chime in with some shit or just listen to you. Okay. Caldo Verde, meaning green broth, comes from the northern region of Portugal, Menu. Is that right, Gretchen? Menu, Menu. yeah, yeah. I I had to listen to it several times because I was like, I kept looking at the pronunciation stuff and I don't, mm, uh, my brain can't, not for me, not processing that. So somebody's got to say it to me, Menu, yes. Menu, okay. So way up north in the northern part of Portugal. So 
where it has been eaten for centuries. So this is a really sort of ancient, I guess, if you will, dish. And one of the reasons for that is because it is very simple, it's very nourishing, and it's really accessible, especially if you're on a budget. And there's a lot of nutrition in the kale or collard greens or that special cabbage where the actual soup is based on. But like Gretchen said earlier, there are so many variations of this dish now. It's adapted and evolved over time. Some versions I saw include even red beans, white beans, ham hock, or meat bones, which does feel also kind of along like the American South lines of sort of a stock bean soup kind of thing. It's really common at most holidays. It's that comfort food kind of soup that is also similar to ramen, as we learn. It kind of checks that box of starch, veggie, broth, quick and easy, budget-friendly, kind of a working person's meal. I think maybe we've just found a theme of how we're actually going to travel the world. Travel the world through comfort soups. I'm in. We'll (laughs) we'll stick with it. We'll go with that. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So really common at holidays, it's since it's very simple, it can be thrown into a meal and feel really special still, still, but it also can be elevated a lot. It has a long history in the country by artists and poets referencing it. So you can often come across poetry or published work that will have common references to quote the green broth. And in particular, there was one song that was sung by a famous Portuguese singer that referenced Caldo Verde. And this almost became the sort of like second place national anthem of Portugal. And the line that they reference is, it takes very little, very little to simply brighten a life. Love, bread, wine, and hot Caldo Verde in a bowl. Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) So sweet. It just, that feels so comforting too. That sentence, that that lyric. I haven't listened to the song, so I want to do that next, but it's true. Love bread, wine, and hot soup, especially if it's good for you. (laughs) I mean, even better. I mean, with the amount of kale in this, I mean, pretty good for you. (laughs) If If this is a way I can get myself to eat more kale, then the whole thing will be worth it. (laughs) Kale is rough. It can be rough. I think mine's been cooking about 15 minutes. Okay. I'm going to grab the book and bring it over here. And if this is, if the potatoes aren't cooked through yet, then I'll just, we'll look at the book and see if there's anything of value in there that we need to add. Perfect. From the way they feel when my spoon hits them, I'm going to say they're not. Ooh. Oh, actually. Getting soft? Yeah, getting there. I think uh, mine need at least another 10 minutes. Mine probably need at least another five. They're not as easily mashable as I would like them to be. It's a thin line on this, right? Because sometimes it can get too soft or does that matter in this case? I don't see how it could matter because once you've hit the mashable stage, then you add more cooking time on top of that. I don't think they care. It's not what we're here for. (laughs) Right. We don't need any structural integrity on our potatoes. That is not something we need. We don't need more of that. Are you going to serve this with anything else? Uh, bread, crusty bread. I think the, this recipe recommended like a cornbread, right? That's right. I forgot. Cornbread was very common as an accompaniment to this soup. You can serve the soup with a fresh wholemeal bread. So something fairly hearty. So yeah, any, any, any kind of corn, that would work. I'm going to read you the soup's intro page because please. 
the first sentence is fascinating. So that must mean that the rest of it is, right? <laughs> we'll see. We saw how this betrayed me the last time. Where kale I thought, suddenly, cabbage or kale suddenly becoming cabbage. Yep. In Portugal, it would be unthinkable not to have soup every day. They eat soup every day in Portugal, at least for dinner, if not for lunch as well. Generally speaking, soup is a must. There is always, as the Portuguese say, room for the soup. What is the soup today is the first question to housewives from their hungry family arriving arriving home from work. Well, that's fairly sexist. Some country folk like to eat a good bowl of soup for breakfast if there is any leftover from the previous day. This will provide enough sustenance for a hard morning's work, especially if it included some meat or bacon fat, pulses, and vegetables. Pulses? Beans and lentils are pulses. Oh, oh okay. That'll come up every once in a while. Sorry. Didn't realize you didn't know that. Uh, I don't know if a lot of people know that either. <laughs> we're so enlightening on this podcast. So I, they know it now. Yeah. And then promptly forget it because I'm sure we'll have to tell them again later. I might forget. Well, I might forget. We are stoners. so <laughs> <laughs> Number one problem. It is good to see that in many other countries, soups of the meal in themselves variety are also taken seriously. This... I think they must have had a bad translator on this book as part of the problem. The translator and the editing could use a little. Well, I'm sure whoever did it did the best they could. It just, it is a little complicated to read out loud. (laughs) There are countless soup recipes in Portugal and they tend to be thick and chewy. (laughs) (laughs) Blending only the basic thickener, potatoes, beans, chickpeas, or whatever, and leaving the rest as it is cut into small pieces, of course. Consomme-type soups are also popular, the best loved being canja, a broth meaning made with pieces of chicken or just the giblets, with or without the addition of chirico. I'm going to have to make to see if it's chirico or chorizo. Right. Probably similar meat product either way. Well, yeah. I mean, it's a sausage. So (laughs) for more flavor and rice or or small pasta. What? Oh, no. I'm not even going to read any more of this. It's too hard. I'm not doing okay. it. Okay. Not necessary. I'm going to check to see where my potato are, where my potatoes are at. Where are my potatoes at? I'm going to find a thick guy. I know that my slices are not terribly consistent. Yeah, same. Oh, oh, this is good. Really easily breaking apart. Okay. I was going to say when I did live in Spain... My host family dad made a soup about once a week. That was my favorite meal that we would have at home for dinner. Mm-hmm. And he made it. It was the only dish he made, though. <laughs> <laughs> I, that, it's interesting that you say that because so from the Ethiopian cookbook, there is a specific tomato soup recipe in there. that they're like, yeah, men don't typically do a lot of cooking in Ethiopia. But this is basically a dish that's only made by men in Ethiopia. <laughs> That's so interesting. So I was like, well, this, this is, that's different. I'm wondering if I need to get the potato masher out. Maybe even a whisk. I was going to try a whisk. Ew. This could really not end well. <laughs> <laughs> this whisk is not long enough. I need some more long-handled whisks. I may end up taking my potatoes out and putting them on this cutting board. <laughs> After hearing you. <laughs> I think I may be in the... Uh, the woman that wrote the Portuguese book might be the way forward on that because this is very challenging to do. 
seems like it with the water. I guess I didn't realize there would be as much liquid, but at this stage, but it makes I mean, sense. It's a soup. It's a soup. <laughs> yeah. I was like, um, Becca. <laughs> I have to change tactics. Now I've just made my job harder because I smashed these all up into little pieces. Oh God. Oh yeah. This is working great. Brilliant. We, we've increased the dish count by, well, actually zero because I pulled it out and put it in the bowl that had the potatoes in it in the beginning. So hot tip from Gretchen, always reuse your dishes if you can. Yeah. Mm, so far, it tastes pretty good. Yay. So just smash, right? They don't have to be completely mashed together, just kind of losing their shape. Precisely. Okay. Just that, yeah, just a smash the potatoes. So I'm going to add my kale. Did you put your potatoes back in? Yep. Okay. I'm going to crank my heat back up. Get it to a boil. Oh, it's like, what are you doing? That sound. <laughs> I, I should know the sound of a knife scraping over a cutting board. <laughs> this time it was a, a serrated shredder. ladle thing. Yeah. Oh, that's a nice little serrated ladle thing. Yeah. It comes in handy for these moments when you need to mash and then slide down the cutting board. <laughs> I'm sort of assuming you also used it for your potato retrieval. Yes. So that was handy for all three steps of that process with the potatoes. I did leave some potatoes in there that are big. So it does have kind of a rustic. lot of chunks. Yeah. Very rustic. Kale going in. Have I told you lately how much your, the, your R2D toe toaster that you sent me for Christmas delights me every time I use it? <laughs> I'm so glad. I No, you haven't said that. And I'm so glad you said that. That makes me so happy. It really annoyed the fuck out of my mom, though. <laughs> yeah, it sounded like it was tense in the house for a little while with it. <laughs> Cause, because it, it makes a lot of noise. I mean, it's not quiet. You cannot sneak <laughs> toast in this house now. <laughs> I feel like we should do it just for the podcast here. I will. Uh, we should. Maybe we'll do a toast episode. We'll make some fancy toasts. And Oh, oh, sorry. I didn't. So it does this twice, once at the oh, beginning of the cooking and once when it's ending, which I kind of love the fact that it tells uh-huh. you like it starts before it's over. Oh, okay. Because so you're like, like oh, you can be here. Little warning. Get your toast out as soon as it's hot. I love that. It's pretty awesome. I'm not gonna lie. Yay. Star Wars toasters to the rescue. To rescue you from boring toasters. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! <laughs> That's the smallest piece of bread I've ever put in there. It really launched it. <laughs> what, uh, when do we call it then? I'm calling mine. Okay. I mean, I could let it cook out a little bit longer. And since it is the middle, well, I guess it's not really the middle of the afternoon anymore. A little early for dinner. So I'm going to just uh, turn it off and let it sit here on the stove for a while. Okay. Until I'm hungry later. Nice. Because really all you need at this step is your kale to be softened? Yes, that is correct. <laughs> just okay. Wait, waiting for the softening of the kale. Okay, we made it through the end. We finished our soup we toasted our bread we listened to Gretchen's toaster which was super fun (laughs) final thoughts I loved this soup I thought it was awesome I thought it was really warming and 
we talked about it being comforting. It did feel comforting, but it also just felt really light, even though it was kind of, it had all these potatoes in it. I didn't like the black olives on top. I felt like it added a kind of weird texture once they had softened into the soup. And I just thought it took away. So I wouldn't do black olives on top next time. I don't know if there's something else I'd swap it with, but I think for me, the soup was great. It didn't need that extra black olive. Oh, see, and I love the olives in it. I would, and for me, that was really unusual, which is why I think I was so hooked on it. Like as an idea was like, I've never seen anybody just throw some black olives on a soup before. So I was like, I have to try that. I liked it, but I also love like anytime I could eat olives. (laughs) I usually just get pizza with black olives. And so this threw me, but I don't know, maybe my olives weren't very good. That, that's entirely possible. I did uh, end up trying putting the Parma salami on the soup and it was delicious, but I also ate it several times with nothing on top. So just a really good, easy, straightforward, comes together quick soup, which is always a nice thing to have in your playbook, I guess. Yeah, definitely. A good go-to. And again, since it's pretty simple ingredients, you, you don't necessarily often have all of those, but they're pretty easy to get. So it can be, it can be an easy meal. Thank you por- to the Portuguese for this amazing soup. My life was incomplete. I mean, it's I know, still probably, know. I mean, my life is still probably incomplete, but I feel like it's a step further. Yeah. You've got way. green bo- broth beside you now yes. for the rest of the journey. <laughs> So thanks for joining us, Gluttoneers. We hope you're enjoying your gluttony journey so far. We've been having a lot of fun. This was a good one too for us. I think, as we said, we both loved it. We both really enjoyed it. So we hope you do too. And make sure you check out the website, highgluttony.com for more thoughts and as well as the resources we used for this this episode, this episode. And like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and find us on the socials at High Gluttony. And email us at highgluttony at highgluttony.com. Yeah, email us. Please send us an email. It'd be nice to get one. Yeah, Yeah. we'd love one email. (laughs) Just one. Just one. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Bye. Bye.